This is Channel 253 Sports. In 2004, 30 years after the birth of the Seattle Sounders, a crack podcasting unit was sent to prison by a federal court for a crime they didn't commit. These men and women promptly, well, eventually, escaped from a minimum security luxury prison camp to the Tacoma Underground. Today, still wanted by the Timbers Army for dropping trial in front of Jeltwin, they survive as supporters of fortune. If you need a hot take, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the Flounders B Team. Hey everybody, this is Steve and you are listening to the Flounders B-Team Podcast. We are recording on January 20th, 2021. Say that fast five times. And uh, man, we are so lucky to have in studio with us today, or at least on the Zoom, uh, we've got, um, in addition to our normal cast, we'll introduce here shortly, we've got Susie Rance of Sounder at Heart contributor and also the Coffee and Valkyries podcast. Uh, which just started your third season. Are you still a co-host for that one? I am. Yes. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're happy to have you. I haven't listened to this uh, or this last week's episode yet, but definitely looking forward to it. I know you've got lots of stuff to say about what's going on with the rain this year. So really excited to have you on. Thank you. We also have Andrew Harvey, uh, who's currently the communications manager for the OL Rain. May I introduce you as such? Absolutely. Yeah, that is that is the, t- the correct title for my position. That is fantastic. Uh, also uh, does play by play for what about 87 teams uh, and uh, some of the some of the broadcast for a couple local teams. You want to talk about that briefly? Just just the five that I can think of. Just Steve. the five. OK, play, sorry. I do, I do play by play for the USL championship Tacoma Defiance, the MASL's Tacoma Stars uh, and then the NCAA's SPU, Seattle U and the University of Washington uh, for their men's and women's teams. Although I've not called a UW women's game yet. It's the only one left. I'm five for six on that front. Right on. So the Tacoma Stars are still a going concern, right? Yes. Yeah. The uh, MASL has greatly modified its series and schedule. Uh, the Stars actually will play their first game of the year, even though the MASL has been going on for about a month, uh, two days from our recording. They'll play the Kansas City Comets. Uh, and my current understanding is that the Stars don't have any scheduled home games at the Assessor Showwear Center in Kent right now, which is probably all the best since no one would be allowed in anyway. That totally makes sense in this world we're living in right now. Hey, Susie, how long have you been contributing to Sounder at Heart? Um, I think I started in 2014. Um, started actually doing infographics for the Sounders oh, right uh, and then turned into writing. And then when I realized we had plenty of people covering the Sounders and not as many covering the rain, I made the shift to, to more of a focus long-term on covering the rain and giving them the attention they deserve. Right on. And may I ask what you do for your day job? Sure. I'm a communications manager. I sit on the other side um, doing PR and communications. Right now, I actually work for the Port of Portland, which oversees the PDX airport and leading communications for them. All right, public don't service. Hold that against me, Steve. <laughs> we'll see. You've made you've made the fatal blunder. You brought on two communications managers for one podcast. You don't know this, but the, our entire responses will be in AP format. All, all <laughs> I'm very excited about this, and I can't wait to get something wrong so you can square me away. Uh, as a you know, I spent 14 years in public service as well, so uh, definitely really appreciate folks that do uh, spend their lives doing that very difficult work, especially in communications and trying to get a get a brand out there. So uh, fantastic. I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, let's see, Tim Hamilton, muffin top model on the Twitter would like to be introduced today as 50 pounds lighter and more articulate. 
Yes, please. I identify as a 23-year-old Tim Hamilton, <laughs> pre-Muffin Top. <laughs> All right. And, of course, also in studio, we have John Murphy. How you doing, man? Welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, uh, you know, been a trying couple weeks, but I'm here, and uh, my computer's working now, so even better. Fantastic. I'm really excited about that because a participating John is, well, it just makes this show just a little bit better. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get right into it. Um, so we've got some notable news uh, over the week. Uh, we last recorded on, I want to say the, what was it, the 10th or so. So it's been a little while since uh, since we've been together as a group. Um, and since then we've had lots of Sounders, uh, Sounders events happen. We've had, uh, Jordan Morris. I don't know if the deal's finalized, but it looks like Jordan Morris is headed to Swansea. Obviously it's gotta be a good move for him, but, uh, what does that mean for us in the next year? Going to have to replace him. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, yeah, if Jordan goes to Swansea, uh, the Sounders basically don't have to pay his salary. So that money might be able to be redistributed or, maybe go towards his replacement. So uh sounded like it might've been one of the other sounded heart podcasts where he was, he was getting really close to that 1 million mark. And um, hopefully we, if, if we don't have to spend that and it's not earmarked for Morris anymore, then maybe uh, Garth can, can work his magic and, and we can get somebody or just put the kids out there and run them. Yeah. Well, it's rumored happens. that there's a $7 million transfer fee on the back end of that thing. Uh, anyone else I saw the speculation like you know after the six month loan that that would be the the purchase option but mm. I don't think anything's been confirmed uh, as of yet but right. I could be and wrong if, and if I had to, if I had to suspect there's probably sort of a, a staggered uh, option to buy which is there's probably one option to buy if Swansea remains in the championship because they currently sure. play in the second division they're in second place yeah. right now and there's probably a significantly more expensive option to buy should they go up the Premier League. Um, for Jordan, I mean, just weighing in as someone who also still travels in Sounders circles, you know, he's 26 right now, he'll be 27 in October. I think this is kind of the chance to, right, he's always had that sort of um, momentum behind him by people saying, oh, well, we think this guy could get it done in Europe. And he's kind of hitting that point now where if he wants to find out if he can or not, now is kind of the time. Um, and particularly if you're looking at the potential of a work stoppage in Major League Soccer, which is a possibility uh, with the way things have been trending recently, you know, if he's loaned out to the end of the season in the English season, he might not actually miss that much of the MLS calendar year, uh, assuming that there is a delayed start on that front, which we don't know if there will or won't be right now sure. because it's 2021 and everything's the same as it was last year. <laughs> <laughs> but then yeah, we it also- seems like it's just a smart move for Jordan overall, mm-hmm. like, like give him a chance to shine and see what, see what happens from there. You know, the fact that it's a short-term loan, it gives him opportunities to go whatever way um, he wants after it, if, if he makes his mark. So great for him. I think um, it definitely speeds up what I think the Sounders need to do where they've had, um, you know, they had already some questions on the wings and who was, who was going to be available there um, on the right side. And now we're talking about the left side too. So um <laughs> I'm all for playing the kids. I think they also, I I have to imagine the Sounders are also looking for um, other options out there, knowing that depth is even more limited. When it comes to U.S. men's national team, I imagine he would rather get going as fast as he can and and stay, you know, in 
in, in form so that when these uh, summer tournaments come, whether it's, you know, World Cup qualifying, Gold Cup, Olympics, if he gets tagged for any of those, then, uh, yeah, then he doesn't have to start over. I'm sure he would get, uh, um, I don't know, I think he'd get a, a better look um, while he's while he's playing rather than, oh, he's just been, you know, training with the team for, I don't know, three, four months. Hasn't seen any game, you know, game anything at game speed yet. Tim, I, I think that's a really fair point, John. Pardon me for for interrupting you I there, but I think right. It's important to remember that we are currently still ostensibly eighteen months away from a FIFA World Cup, and one of the biggest knocks against Jordan. I don't think it's fair because I think there's a lot of bias against guys from Major League Soccer. Uh, is that right? He's only ever applied his trade here in the United States. And therefore, is he really world class? I think yes. But, you know, this is a good chance, like you said, to go out there, prove it, especially with this massive move of Americans we're seeing to some of the biggest clubs in Europe over the last couple months. Um, you know, the, the question of what is that roster going to look like, um, particularly with a lot of young talent going into Italy, Spain, France, Germany. Um, then, you know, maybe this is the right time to go there and make sure he cements his spot because playing in a World Cup is, for a lot of guys, a once or twice in a lifetime thing. And that's if you're at the very, very top of your class. It's go, going to a World Cup is hard enough, you know, uh, <laughs> as a fan, you know, let alone uh, uh, being an elite athlete and being able to participate. And nothing but upside for the Sounders, right? So either, you know, worst case scenario, um, outside injury, uh, worst case scenario is uh, Jordan Morris comes back in form and uh, with some with some upper upper um, with some higher class play under his belt, right? So um, or we get a gigantic transfer fee out of the end of the deal. So right. yeah, half yeah, makes makes goes. the the summer a little uh, potentially a little easier to swallow in a, after a. a incredibly tough year you know as far as revenue and having extra extra cash to splash around on potential new signings to fill in those gaps from you know that need to be filled after the end of uh, the 2020 season but do we know if they're paying his salary for the entire year even if he comes back and you know or is it just basically let's just use round numbers if he's if he's set to make a million dollars in 2021 is Swansea just paying a million dollars for that six month loan my suspicion, and I have no detail of this one way or the other, but my suspicion of how loans are typically structured is they'll pay his salary for as long as he is over there. Okay. Um, and then once he comes back, he would go back onto the Sounders um, salary oh. cap and payroll and would occupy probably not his full cap hit, but I would imagine probably more. In my experience, it's, it'll be like a little bit more than he actually is going to get paid by them this year. Yeah, they got to do the the VAT tax or something, right? I'm sure that's part of it. I mean, when, uh, oh, wait, when, the, when, the, when Sounders general manager Garth Loggerway describes the MLS <laughs> salary rules as "quote Byzantine" unquote, I think <laughs> I think maybe we get a pass yes, since we don't do them every day. <laughs> so, okay, just random. I don't want to jump into minutia here, but uh, God forbid he gets hurt um, in you know national team duty or what happens to his salary? What happens to any player's salary? You know, if, if you're no longer able to, to, you know, to play, is there some sort of Lords of Lloyds of London, you know, insurance where the team gets compensated for your, uh, for your fee? Or are you still paying him because he tours ACL in the gold cup or in the Olympics or 
that's I really guess is it probably varies loan by loan. I know that's, but yeah, well, it's, it's a great question. And I think a big part of it has to do with when the loan ends, who still holds his contract. Cause I, it's very uncommon to see a player loaned out in the final months of their contract. I'm not actually up to date right now on when Jordan's contract is signed through. I suspect it's longer than the end of the current uh, championship season. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah, it would be because otherwise he could just go on a free transfer. So necessarily, <laughs> uh, but ordinarily, I think when you see a player who is out on loan, uh, get an injury, actually perfect example, Nicole Momiki was out on loan in Sweden, uh, wound up coming up with a, a foot injury uh, and wound up, leaving her Swedish club to, to go back to Japan to rehab and be close to family uh, and, and things like that. Um, so, but technically I believe she was considered having left the loan early and having returned to OL reign ahead of time. I didn't actually see the paperwork on that because that's not my department. The championship has a, a roughly a 48 match season. Normally, are they about halfway through right now or are they, do they have an abbreviated season this year? They're set to end in early May. I'm, I'm okay. fairly certain. Yeah, no, so it's we've just, got a ways to go. Yep, it's it's just an insane fixture congestion so far. The upper tiers of English football, despite the more uh, uh, infectious strain of COVID that recently has come out of Great Britain, have said that the top soccer tiers uh, will still continue as normal with their rigorous protocols, uh, and the championship is definitely included in that. And it's by no means a fait accompli that uh, that uh, Swansea will be promoted, right? Uh, they're they're doing well now, but certainly uh, if the when they go through that that second cycle through the, <laughs> through their through their rivals, that's uh, going to be an interesting. Uh, well, we'll be watching with interest. I think if they were those... in a similar situation last year and um, didn't make it. So, yeah, well, it looks like the, about every three years they get promoted or relegated. So looking at the Wikipedias, I don't know. We'll see what happens. How I'm does excited. promotion relegation work? Who gets, how many teams get promoted to? So, so no, so three teams go up three. top two guaranteed to go through third through sixth enter. I believe it's still a two legged playoff tournament, um, okay. which is some of the most fun soccer you'll ever see oh, yeah. is the promotion playoffs. Uh, I have been quietly arguing that they need to do relegation playoffs. One hundred percent, right? The Premier League. <laughs> like Imagine the those games. two man enter, one man leave. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah. So it's yeah, one and two automatic promotion. Three through six play for the final and third spot. All right. Um, so another big piece of news this week is Chris Henderson leaving the Sounders for Miami. Yay! Yay for him. Yeah. yeah Good for him. for him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. even even if he hadn't done all the great things he's done for the club, you still would not be able to be anything but happy for Chris. He's he's one of the nicest guys I've had the pleasure to know working in this business. Um, just relentlessly positive all the time, and an absolute X factor in the Sounders FC media game. I think he oh, scored yeah. or assist or he, he scored or assisted like five goals in the inaugural edition. <laughs> The tide of that game really turned when he tr- when he changed teams at halftime. It was it was all Hendo, but no, I mean his contributions to the club are massive. There is no one in that organization or in the fandom who would suggest it was anything otherwise. Um, but this looks like it's a really great opportunity for him. And as much as it sucks to see him go, you can't help but be happy for him. Uh, yeah, he he interviewed uh, for the Miami job the last when they were when they were opening. 
and it looked like he finished second, and then that guy got fired. So uh, I think like uh, y'all remember me? I I'm still here. So, so to what extent does the uh, does the pipeline that that Chris Henderson built uh, out of South America remain uh, with the Sounders, and how much of that is uh, is something that he's going to take to Miami with the relationships that he's built? Is everything that he's he's built over the past couple of years is that gone, or uh, is that something that we can leverage as we find somebody to replace that crucial role? I mean, I'll say this: I won't be surprised if you start to see Inter Miami and Sounders FC being listed on the same transfer rumors for prominent South American players, <laughs> exchanging uh, <laughs> exchanging uh, uh, discovery dollars. lists. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> we got all the people he, on the list. What he did so well, I mean sort of set a gold standard for MLS where people would try to bring in, you know, well-known names from Europe. And meanwhile, he's bringing in like the perfect fit for the Sounders as the, in the team that they tried are trying to build. Um, So I can't imagine that fully disappears with his departure, um, like some of that focus, but it'll be a bummer to see him do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Miami. Yeah. (laughs) Anybody who's anybody that's come into MLS South of, uh, South of California, he's had his hands in. I mean, whether they're on our team or not, we, I mean, the guys, pretty much all of Portland's players have come through. Ami Roan, uh, I don't know if Joseph Martinez was uh, somebody that he noticed, but I know uh, Valeri and Blanco, and he, he's just had, he's got an eye, and we get him on our list. And, you know, if, if as long as we have him on our list, they got to pay us to get him back if they want to sign him. <laughs> we'll see how that shakes out. Good luck to you. Um, just bad luck when you play us. Can we have it like where when we play Miami, none of the t- players that he scouted can play in the game? <laughs> that would be <laughs> it's the perfect thing to write in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great contract. Great contract writer right there. I would. Are you a lawyer? Not at all. <laughs> As you can tell. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Okay, so uh, I think that about does it. We also had the uh, uh, the uh, the rumored two hundred thousand uh, dollar transfer fee for uh, for Henry Wingo. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sell on sell on fee. Um, since he is uh, moving uh, on to bigger and better things in his career and has done quite well for himself since he left the Sounders organization. So. Um, However, that was structured uh, when his rights were sold, um, when he went to, to Europe, um, has definitely benefited from the Sounders. Because I, I believe I saw Jeremiah also say that, like, it's been, if this 200000 comes through, that'll be almost 400000 total from Wingo leaving the team uh, coming back, which is, uh, you know, a great return on investment. Uh, and he said it was something like solidarity payments are making up the bulk of that? Yeah, that was my understanding of it okay. as well, yeah. Excellent. How crazy is it a guy that you know could could barely get minutes for for you know uh, for Seattle was was grinding in Tacoma. Then he's like, hey, I, I got a passport. I can go play somewhere else. Next thing you know, he's in Champions League. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, now now he's what? Is he going to Turkey? Where's he at? He was in Sweden. Mold, I think. Is that correct? He went to Norway. Hungary. He went to Hungary. Norway. He, he, he went to Norway. Molda, and now he's. Uh, in Hungary with, I'm going to not pronounce it because <laughs> my Hungarian's not what it should be, but I, I believe it's Ferenc Vorosi. Um, Sounds good to I, me. I probably am off, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, fair play to him. The, the biggest thing that I remember in his time with Sounders 2 and then Tacoma Defiance for the matches he came down for um, was a really frustrating for, for him and everyone else lack of consistency. Um, you know, he would make great runs, serve in great balls from the byline and, and score some really good goals. And then he'd, you know, miss a penalty a yard left of the post. Um, and, and you could, it was, it's the toughest thing to watch is when a guy has so much of the right stuff put together, but just the, the little pieces that need to be there just aren't quite there, but fair play to him. It looks like he went back to his game, has shored a lot of those things up. Like you said, got time in the champions league and is now on to, to bigger things in Europe. So, you know, congratulations to Henry. He's a Seattle kid who went to Shorecrest high school and then, then you dub it's tough not to be happy for him. Timmy. Do we know anything about CBA? Are we going to have a season? Oh goodness. Um, there was a, there was a piece that came out today or some uh, chatter today about the collective bargaining agreement uh, that indicated uh, MLS is, is absolutely convinced that they have a 30 day drop dead and uh, can then um, unilaterally drop the existing contract. Uh, if MLSPA doesn't enter into negotiations with them in that 30 day window. MLSPA of course came back and said, nah, son, <laughs> Right. <laughs> and rightly so i mean yeah. honestly like like i remember that the media call that uh the uh players association rep had i think it was last week and he specifically one of the first questions he was asked was does that 30 day time frame how, how do you respond to that and he's like yeah he's like none of that's in writing he's like it might be something the league's saying he's like but there's literally nothing that's going that is enforceable in that 30 day window um so it's I think it's a bad, bad move for the league. And I think some of the things that the commissioner has said, um, particularly the quote where he said that the owners are taking all the risk in in the season going forward. Um, whereas I think look. it would be the players playing at risk of catching mm-hmm. a highly infectious respiratory disease that could end their playing careers are probably taking the most risk. Um, but I'm not a uh, super rich uh sports league guy you know, owner or anything so what do i know about so uh, yeah you certainly risk? couldn't see their yeah. part perspective yeah um, it's, it's frustrating seeing seeing quotes like that and i, I get that you know owners and and investors want to want to return even in a, in a very difficult time uh for the world um but at the same time like uh it it, it just brings up a lot of a lot of the issues that i think i just you know as far as you know labor rights and things like that that are definitely can go way too deep for for this podcast to to really discuss but it 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 i hope ultimately i just i hope the players leverage their power in this situation and uh don't give up too much um and and know that they essentially hold all the cards and i hope that they are able to uh to utilize that so you can certainly look forward to uh, coverage of MLS collective bargaining agreements between MLS and MLSPA uh, coming up in future shows. We will be doing a lot of deep dives on that as it develops over the next couple of months. So keep listening to the Flounders B Team podcast. To other shows. <laughs> <laughs> to other shows. Come on. To other people. I mean, you yeah. know, uh, hopefully we'll have some good folks on to talk about that kind of stuff. But uh, channel253.com forward slash membership. And you can talk with us on the member Slack about that. Uh, $40 a year or 40 a month and you can come in and and be part of the discussion live every single day won't that be fun 
Um, but this is a great chance to pivot over to why we have our guests here. We want to talk a lot about O.L. Rain, Megan Rapino, talking about uh, her choices over the past year not to participate in NWSL uh, competitions uh, because of the risk and other personal reasons and so on. But I think uh, talking about collective bargaining and player conditions is a great, great chance to kind of pivot and talk about that. Well, I'm happy to go first. Andrew has way more of an inside look, but um, I think that there's always a frustration among fans of this tension between the U S women's national team and NWSL. And um, I just have to say, like, I can't imagine making that decision last year. The NWSL was the first league, you know, to come back and play professionally in the United States. And there's so many, un- there were so many unknowns and Rapino is coming off of a banner world cup year in 2019. Um, then an injury that really like cost her a lot where she had to play through and, and she's, you know, getting older in her career. So she has so many decisions to make and I can't blame anybody in 2020 for choosing to, I just, I don't, I can't blame anyone for choosing to opt out and choose their own personal safety Um, I, I think that she made the best decision for her and now she's looking toward, um, coming back in 2021 and she's super fit as from what we hear from us women's national team camp. And I'm super excited to see her. Um, I know she's going to really push to play, to get an Olympic roster spot, which is hard. Um, and it's going to be thrilling to see her back with the rain. Uh, speaking of a couple nights ago playing Columbia, right out of the box. She looked great. She looked happy. She looked energetic. Her touch doesn't look like it skipped a beat. She fired a ball in for an assist like three minutes into the game. It just, uh, yeah, that was fun. So hopefully she's ready to hit the ground running. I I think you could tell really in that whole game against Columbia, the entire team had missed playing and and they'd really missed playing as the U S women's national team as well. Cause I think it was close to 10 months, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a little bit longer uh, that they had actually taken the field in the Stars and Stripes. And and just to echo Susie's comment, one, the league from the get-go was very clear that any player, you know, regardless of their federation status or whatever, if they didn't feel comfortable partaking um, in the NWSL Challenge Cup and then later the fall series, they were, they were welcome not to. I don't think there was a single person in the league who kind of begrudged uh, the choice of any player to, to play or, or not to play. Um, but I definitely think... You know, it was it was great uh, just as someone who works in women's soccer to see the women's national team back out there again, you know, kind of getting the touches right. There were a couple moments. I think Vlatko said that there were a couple things that they need to sharpen up on. But considering the layoff, you're kind of inclined to give them a bit of a mulligan, right? For nothing. I mean, they got they got at least four touches right. <laughs> credit to columbia though actually i thought they showed up more than i expected they had a super young team um and inexperienced and they fought to the end and i think that's exactly the kind of challenge the u.s wanted well and that's super young and, and a lot of difficulties even just getting to florida to to play i think what um you know having that what private privately funded travel for the team uh, and then players coming up positive as soon as they get to the United States oh, and then kind yeah. of ruining whatever, whatever, you know, flow they were able to, to build up to that point. Um, yeah. You can't, you can't fault a team for, for anything. And, and I mean, ultimately the performance wasn't horrible and it shows that they still have a lot of promise and it's very exciting just to see 
you know, more, more countries uh, in women's soccer, especially being able to form teams and, and test themselves against the U S women and, and go from there, because I think it gives them a good look to the future where they can be. And I think it, it's just, it's always something to be excited for in the sport. We're all I nodding. It, I think it's, I think it's a very interesting phenomenon in U S soccer fandom with the women's national team to be Goliath. Um, because probably over the span of the men's national team history, they have more frequently been David, at least on, you know, intercontinental competitions. Um, and I think there's something that just one of the things I adore about international soccer is that, right. You get the right 11 people together and give them 90 minutes. You never know what's going to happen. And, you know, just seeing the energy that they come out with, I mean, right. Thailand, that game, not close. I think we can safely say, but there wasn't any quit in any of those players. And I think it trends really well for the sport. And I think it trends really well for the spirit of the sport as well, uh, which is something that is always worth celebrating, especially when we had way less soccer than we wanted to in 2020. Uh, Definitely. I think we'll probably move on to the rain, but I think there's been a lot of talk about that gap closing between the U S and teams in Europe. And um, I think good conversations about other countries investing in women's soccer finally um but i think that everyone has to be pretty scared knowing that the u.s has Vlatko and donofsky coaching them um they're only going to get better um and that's pretty exciting as a usa fan it seems very encouraging if we've got somebody of that skill uh that uh, really seems to have the you know have the uh, uh have the players well-being and success uh at the heart of his practice as a coach um it's really encouraging and I think, I think a big part of it, too, is that the players really wanted Vlatko. I mean, when he was appointed, that's one of the big things that came up in his press conference was that throughout the coaching search, the players consistently voiced support for Vlatko taking the reins. Um, I mean, having worked with Vlatko for a season, it's not hard to see why. He it gets along with his players phenomenally well. Uh, he watches more fil- I don't. I think he might have a time-turner because he consumes an amount of film that other people would seem (laughs) to think is supernatural. Um, Crazy prepared, crazy enthusiastic, loves the game and, and loves the act and the art of coaching it as well. Um, I actually, I've, I've only shared this story privately in the past, but the day that Jill Ellis announced that she would be stepping down as the women's national team coach, the, the club was out on the field training uh, that morning. And I got out there to, you know, get some quotes for articles and, and things like that. And I mentioned to Vlatko, it's like, oh, Vlatko, do you hear that Jill stepped down? And he goes, oh, she did. And I said, you haven't gotten any text messages that I need to worry about, have you? <laughs> and, and he just kind of gave me this grin. Whether he'd been contacted yet or not, I'll never know. He's but, like, no, Andrew, it was an email, not a text message. <laughs> and, and knowing Vlatko, that could have very well been the distinction. But but kind of in that moment, from the second I saw that smile, I started making my peace with the fact that Vlatko was going to probably have a shot to become the U.S. Women's National Team coach. And I'm excited that he's there. Laura Harvey, what is her status? She's what with is- um, U.S. Soccer as well. Um, she's doing like more of the U20 development, but as also you see her in training with Vlatko right now with U.S. Women's National Team. Um, so I think it's super cool that two former rain coaches are at the grandest stage. You know, you can't fault the rain for continuing to hire some of the best of the best who go on um, to like the biggest stage you can be on. 
Susie, my question for you. First of all, have the Lionesses announced who their new head coach is? I actually haven't seen that headline come through because that's pretty recent news. Well, you know their their like future new coach is Netherlands former head coach, but she's not come, she wasn't planning to come in until after the Olympics. So now with Bill Neville leaving, um, they did did just announce an interim who um like a a two pair interim um, that is escaping me. Sorry. Oh, no worries. I just, you know, I, I get I get curious if and when Laura may eventually feel the call of, of England pulling her home. And I mean, you know, if it was the Lioness's job, how much fun would that be seeing them square off against each oh my other? Gosh. I know she was gosh. in consideration. I don't know how far she got in that in that process. <clears throat> that I'm brings looking- everything back to Miami and uh there we go. <laughs> the whole yeah. soccer world in North America centers on Miami now, I guess. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing the rain back in play. Looks like their season will start I don't know, sometime in the spring. I don't know if I have a, a an official start date yet, do we? Not announced yet. Okay. Still, still just a framework that's been announced. Uh, but the, the current yep. plan is to actually run a edition of the 2000, uh, 2021 NWCL Challenge Cup. Um, as sort of a, I mean, it'll still be a, an actual tournament just like last year and there'll be a cup and a prize. Yep, um, yep. but also it, it is a, from a logistical standpoint, it is a very good way to plan to get meaningful soccer that if it needs to be in a bubble, then it can be because we, we've proven right. that the bubble works. Um, and so at the very least, right, we can get that soccer in while we continue to plan and wait for vaccine rollouts. Cause the biggest thing right now is every pro sports league in the country is shifting uneasily thinking about, okay, how are we going to start our season? Do we start late and push all the games together? Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone in the, the yeah, league world country, everyone's trying to figure out what 2021 is going to look like right now. Are we still looking at Utah? I don't know. Uh, in the official press release, there was language saying that if they don't need to do it in a bubble, they have considered having it, you know, hosted by multiple teams. So yeah, they're not so, they're not completely dedicated to a single site location. Um, if they do need to do it in a bubble, um, obviously, I would imagine with the Royals relocating to Kansas City, then it likely would not be in Utah. Yikes! Um, but we can't know for certain on that front just yet i'm looking at a press release from november uh from ol rain saying that uh 2021 season should start in may with challenge cup in mid-april and reporting for preseason on february 1 does that sound about right yep awesome i think you'll see um andrew probably has way more details but you'll see um (laughs) staggered um, preseason arrivals from February through March. Um, not everyone is going to be there on day one and February 1st. All right. We're going to take a little bit of a break and then uh, uh, listen to a message from uh, Channel 253 sponsor, but uh, we will be right back uh, with Andrew Harvey and Susie Rance uh, to talk about the outlook for the 2021 season for OL Rain. You're listening to the Flounders B Team podcast. I'm Steve, and we'll be right back. Hello, this is Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, We Art Tacoma. It's no secret that Tacoma's real estate market is off the charts right now. And whenever I have a question about what's happening, I take them to everyone's favorite pod auntie, Marguerite Martin. I trust her for so many reasons, but one of them is that she's not trying to sell me a house. 
After 16 years helping Tacomans buy homes, she's now a professional real estate matchmaker. That means her entire focus is getting you connected with the best agent for what you need. She helps you find experts because no agent is good at everything. Marguerite knows all the agents and she knows their specialty. Tell her what you're looking for and she'll help you swipe right for your perfect real estate agent. She helps me and my wife find an amazing agent to sell our condo downtown. And when we are ready to buy our next home, we'll turn to her for a match again. Best of all, getting a referral doesn't cost a dime. The agent pays Marguerite a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling. And you can rest easy knowing that you're going to get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. To get started, visit movetotacoma.com and hit the contact form. Thank you, Marguerite, for getting Channel 253 up and running and your ongoing support of local media. Uh, welcome back to the Flounders B-Team podcast. I am Steve Kettleson. Uh, you're listening to Channel 253. You can become a member at channel253.com forward slash membership and join enjoy all of the member benefits of being a Channel 253 member, listening to all the podcasts. Sometimes you get those released a little bit early for members. Uh, there's a member Slack where there's all sorts of great conversation happening about all the goings on in Tacoma and uh, around the South Sound. And uh, definitely encourage you to give that a shot. Uh, once again, in studio, we have Tim Hamilton. Say hey. Hey. And John Murphy. What's up? Hey. And then, of course, uh, Susie Rance of Sounder at Heart and Coffee and Valkyries podcast. Hello. Uh, where can we find your work, Susie? Uh, best place is uh, sounderatheart.com or I'm on Twitter quite a bit. Um, and it's at Susie, S-U-S-I-E. Rants, uh, play on my last name, which is R-A-N-T-S, because if your last name is Rants, you should probably rant. Oh, hey, Steve, you forgot to mention, if you join Channel 253, uh, as soon as this comes out, you enter a drawing to a uh, free trip to Mars on SpaceX, whenever that gets going. <coughs> I don't think that's going to happen, Bob. 100%, 100%, you can book it, guaranteed. <laughs> and of course, we have Andrew Harvey, uh, Communications Manager for OL Rain, um, and uh, lots of other good stuff. Are you doing any other writing or anything on the side that we can go find? Uh, at the moment, nothing actively. I think as the MLS season starts to spin up, I'm hoping to be back on filing for uh, Pro Soccer USA for Sounders matches. Uh, I've also done a little bit of work here and there for Sports Press Northwest. Uh, the legendary Art Teal kind of gave me my, my doorway into the business and helped me cut my teeth. Uh, cut several of them for me, in fact. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at SoccerVox. That's V-O-X. So uh, the big question that everyone's asking is, what does the depth chart look like for uh, for uh, OL Rain this year? Uh, I know we've had a couple of exits, uh, and then we've had a couple of signings, and uh, we've had a couple of of players exiting, and uh, certainly some some coaching staff changes that we can certainly talk about. Um, Susie, what's your general impression for the for the for the outlook for the rain this year. And, and what's that based on? I think that um, it's super hard to give you like a detailed depth chart at this point, um, just because of the um, unusual season last year and um, unknown heading into this year. But what I can say is I think across the board, the depth is so strong that you can interchange a starting lineup and still have a very strong starting lineup that could take on any team in the league. So 
Um, I think it'll be a good challenge for head coach Friedman Steedy to figure out the best 11 players to put on the field at a time. Um, but I think that the story over the last few years for the rain has been investing in like the, the core of original veteran depth that you have in players like Jess Fishlock, Megan Rapino, Lauren Barnes, all originals from the rain when they founded um, and yet build this like youth young core that's stepping into becoming some really like long-term faces and, and names for the rain. So you get to, you're going to see a mix of that with players like Bethany Balser, um, uh, you know, a lot of the players that were signed last year, young players signed last year across defensive line. Um, we can go into a lot of those names, but I think you'll see that good mixture. Um, and it's going to be exciting just to see how the young players integrate. So we've had some exciting signings over the past couple of uh, past couple of weeks. Um, we had uh, uh, Ziara King. Is that how you pronounce her name? Correct. All right, got it. Uh, Ziara King's a forward, and uh, tell me about her. Um, I can I can start, and um, that'd be great. I'll let Andrew add some flavor too. Uh, this actually was kind of an interesting trade with Kansas City, where. Um, they were super interested in Darian Jenkins, a player that the rain um, have, have had that's been really solid the last few years. And I know Farid really saw as a, a great player. Um, but um, when, when it seemed very likely that Megan Rapino was coming back, that sort of meant that Darian's minutes were going to be a little bit more limited possibly than they were last year. And so they're looking for what's the best opportunity for her as a young player to keep growing. And if with Kansas city, she's going to be a starter, she's going to get a ton of minutes. Um, so as a result, they got a super also promising young player in Ziara King, who I guess I would say to describe her, she was a rookie last year, stepped into a really hard rookie year. She played for the Royals who we just talked about had, um, their own management ownership issues and full and folded after last year. But um, she was, su- she's a super creative forward um, fast. Um, I think does great on the ball, a good passer, um, but like still is young and fresh and has a lot of room to grow. Um, and I think we talked to Bill Predmore last week about her. And I think the team was just incredibly impressed um, about not only her on the field, but off the field and how she handled everything her rookie year. She spoke out a lot and was a leader for Utah and speaking out about social justice issues and racial justice issues. Um, and that's the kind of players they want on the team. So um, we're super excited to welcome her into the fold. She was yeah. definitely one of one of my favorite players uh, in the Challenge Cup last year. Um, is even when the Royals played the rain, like she was just electric on the field and it was just, I mean, her age and just the way that she moves on the ball was, was incredibly impressive. And when I saw that, that trade coming through, like it's a real bummer to lose Darian Jenkins, but at the same time we're gaining another player with, with so much raw potential um, who's re- really ready to start day one on top of that. It's, it, it makes me feel real good for the, for the future of the rain on the offensive side of the ball. And when I think of, of Ciara, I, I think, Poise is probably the first word that comes to mind. Um, she po- she's poised on the pitch. She's poised off the pitch. Um, obviously, that's a quality you want in a forward for a number of reasons. But but like Susie said, you know when when someone is able to stand up and eloquently advocate uh, on behalf of of things that are very important to them. I mean, this is something that the NWSL 
uh, prides a tremendous amount. There are people outside of the NWSL who would also be advocating for women's sports and women's soccer. Um, but also that's kind of like a mandatory thing for the NWSL. Um, just because, you know, it's, it's compulsory. The product is, is good enough. I mean, I know I'm talking to true believers here on this podcast, but <laughs> if you go watch an NWSL match, statistically, you're probably going to go want to watch another one because it's really, really great play. I mean, I honestly can't remember, Susie. Wasn't it 28 or 32 players that the league sent to the last Women's World oh, Cup? Oh, man, yeah. Was, I mean, was, nine from the rain alone. Nine from the rain, yeah. yeah. Right. It, was, it was insane. I mean, the, the best players in the world, the largest concentration of them anyway, play in our league. Um, so... You know, for for King to be a player, like you said, to come in in such difficult circumstances and carry herself the way that she has, um, I think she'll be a great addition. And you always want rookies that don't play like they're rookies, and she was one of them. Um, Regarding Darian, I completely agree. You know, great player, great person off the pitch, really fun to work with. My favorite memory of her will always be her brace in the opening 12 minutes against Orlando in the Lightning game, which we were joking (laughs) about before we started recording. I thought she was going to have four goals in that game until they were forced off the pitch due to a colossal thunderstorm (laughs) 27 minutes in, which when is there ever a colossal thunderstorm in Tacoma? But I think there's also, right, that's something that Kansas City is also happy to have. Hugh Williams, who is, um, you know, over there now, was also involved back in the FCKC days when Vlatko was still the head coach. Uh, And I think the two of them see eye to eye on a lot of player qualities and characteristics so I think I think both teams can come out of this trade feeling like they got a player that they're going to be very happy with. This is a non-rain question, but is, does it look like things are shaping up to be different this time around in, in Kansas City with with it having an NWSL team again? I know it didn't really go the greatest, uh, which forced that that move to to Utah, and then um, so that that I guess that's my my fear. I mean, everything seems to be different uh, surrounding the move back back to Kansas City. Um, and I guess it's, it's a high hope that, you know, I just think it would be a real bummer to see, to see them have the same problems again, even with a different ownership group that they suffered under a couple of years ago. Yeah. I don't, I, I think that the ownership group is super prom, like promising compared to the, to, to previous. Um, I think like many NWSL teams, um, including the rain, like, field and stadium are going to make a big difference for them. Um, and I mean, where they played previously just did not serve them well whatsoever. And I know sporting Kansas or Kansas city likes to really talk about themselves as soccer city. Um, uh, and I hope they prove it with this, with this team coming back, um, because it's a better, slightly better location. Um, drive wise, I think, um, I haven't seen the field, but, um, so, I hope so. I really do. Cause I, I think that Kansas city does deserve and should prove that they deserve to have a women's soccer team. So there is no relationship between sporting and the, uh, the new Kansas city. That is correct. Yep. They're independent ownership groups. And now with them being uh, the, the team from Utah being gone, is this, do you think it's just a matter of time before they can uh, get another expansion franchise in there the utah yeah the utah situation is is definitely a complicated one the royals when they announced the the that the club was moving they announced that they have hopes to re-expand i believe as early as 2023 is what they had mentioned but i apologize if i'm incorrect about that um 
The trick with Utah is that uh, the current, well, I should say now former owner, Deloy Hansen, also owns the infrastructure. He owns the stadiums. He owns the training facilities. He owns the uh, elite private, I believe, boarding academy school Mm -hmm. that their top prospects are trained at for both the men and women, I think. Uh, And he also owns Real Salt Lake, although I believe Major League Soccer is now taking over the sale of that club. Yeah, I think that's in process right now. And so the trick is not just can you find an owner for the team, it's can you find an owner for the team and all its facilities who also wants to have an NWSL club, or can you find an ownership group that can strike a deal with whoever winds up owning that real estate because it's in kind of downtown Salt Lake, having driven past it while I was in the bubble. I mean, it's valuable real estate, theoretically, and I really hope this doesn't happen. Um, but with there being murmurs of RSL potentially moving out of the state as well, then, I mean, it's not beyond the pale to think that someone might try to buy that stadium and knock it down for the land value. Knock down Rio oh, Tinto. I, I really, it's a, it's a I, super popular area. It's I know. I really hope it doesn't know. happen. To be to be clear, I love Rio it's, Tinto it's, Stadium. It's one of my favorite stadiums in the league for sure. Like it's it's a it's a place where uh, when I was used to travel for work. Um, if there was a match at, in, if I was in Salt Lake City for work, and if there was a match at Rio Tinto, I didn't care who if it was if the Sanders were in town or who RSL was playing, I would go just because the atmosphere and the location of that stadium was always great, except for the time where it went from being like sixty degrees to snowing in about thirty minutes when I was there. So you know, I was like, the, the disadvantage of being in the Rockies. But either way, like it would it would be an absolute bummer to to lose a team in that kind of close proximity. Um, to Seattle. I mean, it's, it's a good, you know, 12 hour drive, 13 hour drive to get down there. So it's easy to travel to, um, direct flights from, from Seattle on Alaska airlines. So, um, it, it would be, it would be a bummer, I think, but I could also understand just the issues with, with taking that structure away from, from Deloitte Hansen and trying to find someone to take on that much, um, is difficult where there's, you know, people chomping at the bit to get into to MLS and, you know, other various <laughs> leaks. Can I can I just quickly say, John? It, it's it's a obvious testament to your character, but also just a very specific commentary on the state of American soccer fandom. That only in the United States could you describe a twelve to thirteen hour drive as being <laughs> a, quick, be a quick trip for an away day. Just I, that is true. <laughs> I I'm gonna I'm going to text all my my friends back in Glasgow that you said that tonight. Yeah, as opposed to like the the. 32 minute coach we took from glasgow to edinburgh for for hip for uh hearts away it's just right ah, it's, you know 12 hours back 12 hours down 12 hours back drove. no big deal like all right uh, one question that i had and and when uh, olympic Lyonnais purchased ol rain or purchased rain fc and they became all rain i i was definitely interested in seeing whether those kinds of purchases and those kinds of deals uh, would be would be more prevalent in coming years obviously uh, obviously the um, the covid global pandemic has put a put a wrench in a lot of people's plans uh, but do you folks see that happening more often uh, in coming years as uh, NWSL grows uh, and has has Olympic Lyonnais um, lent some global legitimacy to uh, to the quality and uh, profitability of an NWSL team ownership. I think that there's 
Um, I think it's great that one stepped up to sort of give it a shot. Um, I think that there's certain limitations that really hit, like maybe scare um, others away the, you know, roster caps, um, salary caps, the way that trades and drafts and play, like player movement happens is just different. And that's an adjustment. Um, Barcelona's had interest actually in um, coming here and it hasn't happened for a lot of reasons. And I think having um, OL group be the first is probably good just because of their history of investment in women's soccer and really treating it as a, as, as a professional sport. Mm -hmm. Um, So to see what they're able to do, I think will be um, potentially encouraging to others and hopefully a model. Um, Mm -hmm. With that said, I think that there's, um, you know, Angel City FC is coming in 2022. Sacramento is coming in 2022. There are people here who are, eager to grow um, the league. And I think we've seen that model work well with North Carolina, um, that model hopefully working well with Louisville this year. Um, so I'm, I just think the growth in general is really positive. We talked about Utah being quote unquote close, but I'm so happy to have two more other teams on the West coast next year right. uh, for, for the rain. Well, maybe going back to our last conversation, maybe uh, Barcelona can swoop in and, and, and be a match made in heaven and take over the uh, the RSL situation. I mean, the colors are similar, so you're, yeah. you could have something there. If Barcelona I remember, W. If I, if I remember correctly, one of the big uh, hang-ups for Barcelona was the Nike exclusivity deal because Barcelona yeah. at the time uh, was an Adidas manufacturer kit. I think they are a Nike club now, aren't they? I, they, I know they... They flip-flop every couple of years because when you're a club of that magnitude, just the other guy who doesn't have the contract just throws money More, on the table right? and keeps throwing until you go, <laughs> okay. Um, but I think that was the hang-up at the time. Um, but, you know, obviously, right, uh, Olympique Lyon is an Adidas club at the moment, uh, and we are, by the league um, unified deal, a Nike club here. So it can be done. I think... You know, I think there's going to be a really interesting mixture, like Susie said, of interior interest from within the United States of people saying, hey, yeah, women's sports are worth funding, uh, you know, and and supporting and, and really throwing your weight behind. Um, and then I think there will be, you know, some outside groups as well. So maybe it's a mixture of some by purely internal, some by purely external. Maybe there's some more hybridization that goes on. Um, but in general, I would argue that growth for the NWSL is a good thing. Not inflation, but you know, it all it's going to do is provide more places primarily for American players to play. Uh, and I think that's great because frankly, we've got the talent depth here in the United States. Get your mega millions tickets all, and then just uh, get yourself franchise. Um, so I, I would like to touch on uh, the possibility of a Tacoma stadium. And, you know, I think, I, I don't think anybody at the municipal level is really talking about that right now. Um, or, not is talking about any, anything, Steve. What's that? <laughs> so they're not talking about anything. Well, they never do. But <laughs> tight-lit city council I've ever encountered in my entire life. <laughs> uh, but there's also, you know, the uh, uh, the the Tacoma Metro uh, Metropolitan Parks Commission uh, that has a piece in that. And um, but but yeah, basically, uh, City of Tacoma was supposed to put forward or at least proposed to put forward $10 million towards this stadium. Um, if that stadium's going to happen, where is this money coming from now? Cause it's certainly not coming from the city coffers uh, given revenue shortfalls over the past year. 
And I just to kick off, I think I'll say the, the likely thing in my mind is that you'll probably see a delay uh, on that project. It's a natural consequence. I mean, mm-hmm. right. Everybody's best laid plans got yeah. punched at least six to 12 months back uh, thanks to COVID-19. And I, I think certainly the stadium proposed for Heidelberg Davis Park uh, will likely go that way as well. Um, to clarify, this is me speaking as an individual. I have no official knowledge of, of what is or isn't happening. It just seems like a, a political necessity because, um, frankly, and I think even the clubs involved would agree that money could be better spent in the community right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there is a, I mean, you know, there was a very strong presence at the city council meeting for the, the vote on the uh, letter of intent. Um, and then there was also a strong presence at the parks board meeting where the parks board you know, I think conceptually signed off on the idea. So there's some clear momentum behind building a soccer specific stadium in Tacoma. I think that's awesome. And I think it's worth supporting. Um, I think it might just take us a little bit longer than we expected. And, you know, that is going to be okay. Our OL group willing to, oh, go ahead, Susie. Well, I, this might be where you were going, but I think that like technical, technically, right. The Sounders are, are the lead here. Um, and OL group is super supportive. So I don't, you know, I don't know where those conversations go in terms of like pooling resources or what, but it's really been the Sounders um, taking the lead on, on the Tacoma project. And I, I personally would like to actually see OL take, take the lead because I think that the rain will probably benefit from the stadium long, more long-term than, than say the defiance, especially with the changes to how MLS is kind of restructuring uh, partnerships with its teams and the USL. Um, I don't know how that's going to affect the, the defiance, but I just, I just think, and just from being, you know, a, a larger, more profitable organization as well, that seeing them kind of, you know, since it's been for them, like a point where like, we want the stadium here to continue to be here. Um, whether that was, you know, spoken out of turn or not, mm-hmm. I would like to see, to see them kind of put forward, you know, a little bit more or even like investigate, you know, more private funding just because of, um, like Andrew said, um, you know, it's the, the focus on putting towards any available city money towards community uh, needs at the point. Um, there's been, you know, even recently a much more, uh, direct direct action approach uh, to bringing attentions to the housing crisis that that exists in Tacoma, and I think um, even you know even a year or two post COVID, committing that much money towards uh, a stadium would would sentiment's going to change really quick if it hasn't changed already. I think a lot of that support is going to definitely be towards other other things um, for the foreseeable future. Um, as much as I would like to see that stadium, I drive. I shop at the Fred Meyer across the street from there. I would love to see that stadium built, you know, um, as quickly as possible. But I think just the reality is, you know, we might be three to five years away from seeing that actually happen now. Yeah. It's going to be a long time, no matter what happens. Um, You know, uh, in December uh, in response to Tony Parker's uh, gaffe or off the off message, whatever it was, um, they issued a press release um, 
Olympique Lyonnais has committed to making a substantial investment to develop a new training center for OL Rain in Tacoma. Additionally, OL Rain is currently engaged in negotiations to extend its lease at Cheney Stadium beyond the 2021 season. Furthermore, Olympique Lyonnais has committed to strengthen OL Rain's squad for the upcoming season with two international players from OL planned uh, to join OL Rain in 2021. Wendy Renard. Is she oh. coming? Is it her? <laughs> That's my she, question. She, she has said that she would not mind playing in Tacoma. So. Oh, God. God, I would love to see Renault. That would be amazing. <laughs> I, I, There's I, just like you can go down the OL roster though. Yeah. Would take oh yeah. Money <laughs> oh, she just yeah. she reminds me a lot of of just she looks like she's just have she just looks fierce like and she looks like she's just having a ball. Yep. And I guess playing for you know OL, it, it's you're you're always winning, so it's it's easy to be in a good mood. But she just kind of reminds me of. Like just a dominating player, the way uh, the way Roman Torres came in and, and was just like a, a fun guy to be around. I feel that she just has that energy and that magnetism, and I want to see it. Um, who else do we think uh, is you know? Do we have any any any? Are there any strong speculations as to who it might actually be? I'm just gonna get this on the record now that I have no, no knowledge <laughs> whatsoever of who may or may not be coming from OL's roster see? here. But I'll, I'll echo Susie's point of. You know that it's going to be a high quality player. Whoever it is that OL saw fit to invest in, so they're they're right. probably going to be you know a good contributor here. Uh, and then I'll I'll let you I'll sit back and let you guys wildly speculate because oh, if I say anything, people are going to take it as like a promise. So. Speculate for those of us that are on this Zoom. He's holding up a sign that says she's totally coming. <laughs> that is I fake that news. I I actually. I'm not certain about Wendy Renard this year. Yeah. Um, I'll say that. I think that the comment that was, I think she's interested in playing in the U S and I think the comment was, we absolutely want to keep her in the OL family for the rest of her career. Um, so whether that means the Rainer that she stays in France is kind of to be determined. There were rumors last year or, or, Actually, not rumors, pretty strong inclinations that Sarah Buhati, their goalkeeper, and Jennifer Marzan, a very, I can't say names, so a very, very good creative midfielder for, that plays for, with the Germany national team and with Lyon, are a pair that wanted to come to the NWSL together. They were originally linked to Utah, mm. no longer a team. Um, and there are there are thoughts that those are the two that would be um, coming to the rain, nothing confirmed though. Well, the rain do need a goalkeeper. The rain do need a goalkeeper. Yeah. I, you couldn't ask for a better midfielder to come join the ranks. So, played with Fishlock when she went on loan to Lyon, and she has nothing but great things to say about her. So, um, but yeah, I could go down the list and tell you. I take them and them and them and them and them. Madri, come again. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so, uh, Steve, you mentioned Tony Parker, but I'm not sure if everyone knows what was happening. Basically, Tony Parker kind of just, uh, he he mentioned, you know, just, I don't know if it was just off the cuff or what, but he said wanting to move the team to Miami. And that was kind of like the, uh, uh, the, 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 that was basically hitting the DJ table and scratching the record for all of us at home. Like, what just happened? I, I think some of us still have uh, um, a little PTSD from from having the Sonics pulled away by just such a comment, just like that, by uh, the Aubrey guy from uh, from Oklahoma. So that brings us back to um, why we were they're probably um, quick to 
release there, you know, back backtrack and 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 clarify things. So hopefully that that was just a I don't know, just an idea he had, and and it's dead and buried in a shoebox somewhere. Well, I mean, it yeah, was reported I, I, in a lot of articles. He does have some some investments in the Miami area himself, yeah. and with and I think he he maybe just been thinking a little too far ahead to the future. Uh, for a different team, yeah, <laughs> exactly. it's your own team, <laughs> right? Too like it's important to remember he is like a very small minority like three three percent yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. Yeah, there could be a day where, I, I, again, I don't know any of this either, but there could be a day where there is interest in a second team in Miami. Like, that's all possible. And yeah. um, Jean-Michel um, with OL Group was not shy in saying, you know, he, he has ties to Miami. So I think that, I think, um, certainly think that the Tacoma Seattle market is hard. Um, it's expensive. So, like, we need to continue to show that there's a reason to keep it. I'm not saying that there's any risk of teams disappearing, but I think there's realities that every region faces, um, but they're super committed. They're, um, you mentioned building a training ground um, that's going to be completed um, like facility wise later in the year um, this year. So um, we're, there's, there's stuff happening in Tacoma because of Ella group. Yep. And we're a growing market too in the Seattle, uh, Seattle, Bremerton, Tacoma, um, you know, uh, uh, census area, I guess you want to call it, or economic area. Uh, we're expecting to have more than a million people move to this area in the next 10 years. So the market is growing, uh, definitely vibrant, um, and definitely a good place to, to, to house your soccer team. So... <laughs> Andrew, you mentioned earlier that uh, this thing might, uh, this camp might start in February. Is that uh, is that correct? Yep. the The current plan, as I understand it, is that kind of players right now are making their way back to Tacoma. There is obviously a quarantine period for players who are traveling from abroad, and and I think even players who are traveling domestically, although it's a shorter one for them. Um, you know, just as we get everybody tested and make sure that we can actually safely resume. Once they do, I believe under the current governor's guidelines, even being in the new phase one, uh, organized team activities, as I understand them, will be allowed to take place. That is not an official declaration. That is my understanding of it. Um, but yeah, so pretty much start of February is when they're going to start uh, ramping up and getting ready for this Challenge Cup. Now, the Sounders themselves have Starfire to pull from if you, they ever want to go inside of bad weather. Do the Rain have any relationships with uh, any, I mean, do they have an indoor, uh, something warm, uh, at least, you know, 50, 60 degrees? It is February. Um, I, I mean, realistically, 50, 60, you know, in February is, is not so bad. And, and I personally, I've always been a proponent of the fact that unless there's actual lightning coming down from the sky, then play on. Um, I don't know how many of our players would agree with me on that one, but no, I, I think for the most part, the players are pretty happy with the training facilities that they're using right now. Uh, and um, I won't disclose where they are in case people try to show up and get autographs. Don't do that. There's a pandemic oh. going on. Gotcha. Um, but I, I think for the most part, the players are pretty happy with, with what's going on at the moment. I think in 2019, there was snow for their pre first few preseason or first like appearances on as a team. So it's part of the charm, you know, yeah. Ange right. Angel Angelina will get to come up from Brazil and, you know, oh, <laughs> experience a Pacific Northwest winter. And, you know, that'll be uh, the trial by anti-fire. 
Oh, that'd be so uh, cold. Yeah, I was hoping. I mean, if they, you know, can use the Tacoma Soccer Center or you know Starfire, anything indoors versus the the you know. I mean, it's not Green Bay, but it's eh, there's yeah. places you're sure you'd rather train. And, and Tim, I, I think that's that's definitely true. I think when the consideration comes between do we train on grass or do we train indoors, I think grass wins probably ten times out of ten. Okay, um, and I, I think that's probably what they're they're more focused on at the moment. All right, Steve. All right. Um, well, thank Grant Ruby for the question regarding uh, Leoness coming from uh, France to play in the United States. Uh, don't have any clear answers on that yet, but we certainly will. We talked a little bit about the depth chart. Thank you, Nate Bowling, for that question. Um, unfortunately, it's just a little bit too early to be uh, filling those slots. Uh, just know I mean, that we as have- of right now, I have a very good idea of who would start in goal. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, let's see. Uh, that is all we have for uh, listener questions at this time. So um, we've been Dave going. Clark, Dave little... Clark asked about. Uh, oh, that's right. Fishlock. Uh, Dave Clark, what is Fishlock's role going to be uh, moving forward in 2021? I think he probably officially used the word dragon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he did. Um, I think um, I think that this she's on loan. People may know to Reading in UK right now, and that was super critical for her because she was coming off a year last year of recovering from an ACL tear, and you just couldn't get the minutes in the United States with COVID. Um, and she got to play in a few games. We got to see her, um, which was really great. Um, but she needed more minutes, especially as Wales was trying to qualify for Euro. Um, competition. Um, mm-hmm. She's had a really good showing there. Um, and her numbers are awesome. And I've caught some of their games and she's exactly um, what rain fans would remember her to be two years ago. So um, you're going to see her come back. And I think she can play multiple roles in the midfield, um, whether it's deeper, even sitting higher up. She's a good disruptor. She can tackle as good as anyone. Um, and I particularly love the little Ozzy Alonzo tackle that Fishlock has where the ball falls right at her feet when she pops up. Um, but um, I think what's nice about Fishlock's evolution right now is she's not going to be asked to do as much as she was for four years ago for this team. She can play a really specific role and let players who have lots of young energy do the running around her. And um, so I'm excited to see her come back. And, and just to add on to that, I mean, as far as Fishlock's role, I think one, uh, the, the, you know, the loan was structured in such a way that she should be here for the start of the NWSL season. Um, and, and two, you know, uh, it wasn't just Fishlock who kind of needed minutes and had a chance to get them. There were a, a host of players sent out on loan. Nicole's we mentioned earlier, unfortunately didn't work out due to that foot injury, but uh, Quinn had a great chance to get minutes in Sweden. So did Lauren Barnes. Um you had Michaela George, who had quite a successful run with Fortuna Hjoring down in Denmark. Uh, and then there was Fishlock in England as well. Uh, and, and all those loans are structured in such a way that they'll be here for the start of the year. The only loan who's longer term right now is uh, Celia, who will remain with uh, OL in France until, I believe, the end of June. It might be the beginning of June, but I think it's the end um, and then, you know, she will also return. So I think it's a, it was a great opportunity for players to go and get those competitive minutes because there were only 
nine competitive matches played last year by the club. And, and that was a league wide issue. Um, so this opportunity to send players overseas, particularly since OL has such a great network of connections with clubs around Europe um, is fantastic. And I think it'll really pay dividends, especially as you see, you know, what happens assuming that we have an Olympic tournament, you know, does Rosie white get called up for New Zealand? My money says yes. Right. Does Rapino go with the women's national team? My money says yes. So, you know, where can people slot in and, and be effective and make a difference? And I think that these loan minutes will really help kind of avoid, at least for them, that preseason sluggishness, how it takes you, you know, three or four weeks to get up to speed and then four weeks to get sharp. I think they're going to come in pretty sharp. I think on your point about Celia is a good note too. Like she has a chance to win the champions league with Leon um, and who wouldn't hard life. That? Right. <laughs> um, and I think that also is a reminder that we, we likely won't see those two Leon players until after the champions league for that reason too. So if you're a rain fan, I guess you can selfishly want them to fall out of champions league early, but that's probably not the right mindset either. Give them a chance to get and however many trophies Leon has at this point, one more. <laughs> Are transfer windows similar to uh, the men's? They don't. Uh, they don't align identically, but they are pretty similar. Yeah. And then the important thing to remember is that it is the receiving team's uh, league that dictates whether or not a transaction can occur. So theoretically, if the French window was closed but the American window was open, a transfer could still be completed to bring a player over here. That's good. Yeah, to you know. can leave anytime. It's which when you can come in, right? All right. Um, anything else for the good of the order? Just want to uh, just want to thank you for a, a great evening of talking about soccer. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it, Andrew. Um, Andrew Harvey, communications man- manager for the OL Rain. Uh, Susie Susie Rance, uh, contributor sounder at heart and uh, host or co-host for Coffee and Valkyries. Uh, check that podcast out at sounderatheart.com. Uh, you are, of course, listening to Flounders B Team on Channel 253. Uh, you can subscribe to Channel 253 at channel253.com forward slash membership. Again, $4 a month or $40 a year gets you all kinds of great member benefits. Tim Hamilton, thank you once again for joining. Thanks for joining us with Suaka Talk. You're you are the uh, you're my the eminent co-host, and I really appreciate it. And John Murphy, you are also the eminent co-host. Thank you for joining. It's a promotion. I'll Dude, take you it. sound great. Uh, really appreciate your perspectives on this show, and looking forward to a great year. Well, All thanks, right, Steve. everybody. This is Steve once again, Flounders B Team Podcast, and we are out of here. Flounders B Team is part of the Channel Two Five Three Podcast Network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Are Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Crossing Division, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, Give Me the Mic, and Members Only, Off the Record. This is Channel 253.